Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the UU Haka Show, the only show that's about UU Haka Show. Last time, we discussed Yusuke's second mission as a spirit detective to stop the notorious demon Rando from inheriting the techniques of the powerful psychic Genkai, and him becoming Genkai's apprentice instead. The arc featured the first of many fighting tournaments in the series, and when we mean the first of many, we mean many. Like, seriously, it's probably every single episode, almost. But today, we'll be covering another tournament arc episode, cover 14 ep- episodes, sorry, we'll... Today we'll be covering episodes 14 through 18, a.k.a. the Beast of Maze Castle arc. Not which a tournament. Which is probably a tournament arc. I'm 100% this is a tournament arc. Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, I mean, why wouldn't it be a tournament arc if you think S- about it? Single elim, serial elimination. Yeah, it's a tournament, I guess. Exactly, so that's why I was right. It's a tournament arc, so the tournament arc of the beasts. <laughs> God damn it. Where, we, where each and every character fights a beast and tries not to die. Well, that, that is accurate. True. Exactly. Just to reintroduce ourselves, uh, I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. I'm Joe. And I am Patrick. And uh, today we're going to start with episode 14, uh, The Beasts of Maze Castle, or in the Japanese version, The Four Holy Beasts in the Labyrinthine Castle, A Challenge to the Spiritual Realm. That is very verbose. Yeah, it's pretty funny when it's it's like they have the episode title and then like it's like five minutes of them just saying the title. Yes, perfect. <laughs> it's um, kind of funny because in the English one, it's like it's just bam, but it's other ones. That's that's about right, cadence wise. Uh, so this episode first aired January sixteenth, nineteen ninety three, in Japan, and May twenty fifth, two thousand two, in the U.S. Uh, after training with Genkai, Yusuke returns home only to find that. Uh, only to find that the entire city has been invaded by Makai insects inhabiting humans controlled by the Makai whistle used by the four saint beasts. Yusuke, Kuwabara, Kurama, and Hiei head to the saint beast castle to stop the evil plot. Once inside, the four are faced with holding up a collapsed ceiling, trying not to betray one another in order to escape. So what did you guys think of this episode? It's a nice, like, tone shift because, like, right before this, Yusuke goes off to train for a variable amount of time... Uh, and comes back, and you're expecting him to be stronger, but you're, like, wondering, oh, if this dude just stopped this human hunter, like, what, what's up next for him? Because, like, I think he kind of just earned his place as spirit detective. He can now legitimately say that as opposed to just chancing into it. So, like, what are they going to face him with, you know? Do they say how long he's been gone for? They do, but it differs between versions, and we'll probably talk about that during the episode. So, I, I liked it. I thought, like, as Joe mentioned, it's a change in tone, and... For me, it's just like, all right, this is like the first arc that Yusuke feels like the spirit detective. Also, the gang's all here. He's got Kulvar, Kram, and Hiei to back him up. And it was just fun. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, this was the arc that really felt like, obviously, this is all quintessential Yu Hawk show. But the tone with like the fighting and like with the holes demons this is like kind of like the essence in my opinion of what you hawkish show is so i was like oh this is exactly what i remember as like a kid um and i like the monster demons that they feature in this arc so it was exciting it's also uh, interesting because they kind of form for the first time an rpg party like in a japanese style <laughs> rpg you know you got the tank the tact- uh, tactician the only thing they're missing is the healer but that's for later well they got they got the moody baby as well with he like, i don't like you guys Damn. but i'm gonna help you anyways because i want to get this 
get these weapon things. It just occurred to me, none of them had amnesia, so they can't be a real JRPG party. <laughs> I mean, they're close. But you get the you get the idea. It's it's pretty close. All the archetypes are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought the first part was really boring. Was mm-hmm. like, oh, the, the movies. Oh, they're fighting easy demons, but. Then when Botan comes in with her awesome Mad Max-esque costume, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, she is like the stylist king. She or queen, really actually. She is. On point outfit, I think. Um, one of our friends, Megan, is not here today because she's in the Philippines. But I'm sure if she was here, she'd be raving about Botan's fashion. It's like really cool leather red outfit. Got so, that aesthetic. <laughs> so getting into the episode. So it begins with Keiko and Atsuko talking about how Yusuke's been gone away at quote-unquote camp for the past six months in the U.S. and the Latin American version, or one month in the Japanese version. A uh, quick note, I've been watching this show in Spanish, the Latin American dub, recently. I only got to this episode, like I watched the entire show up to this point, uh, sadly, I didn't watch the rest of the episodes for today in Spanish, but I'll be trying to do that in the future. And um, major differences, uh, it's kind of like they looked at both the Japanese and English subtitles for the show and then just kind of combined them. Because there are things that are like more canonical to the Japanese version, but then there are some phrases or things that they like made more like the English version, like for instance, the six months thing. Uh, additionally, when they want to censor stuff that they feel is sensitive... They stop dubbing it and just have it go in Japanese for a couple seconds, which is one of the weirdest phenomena I've ever seen in any anime. And they try not to use the word demonios too much, because one, that's used in a lot of idiomatic phrases, two, is somewhat sacrilegious, and three, they kind of replace it more with, like, monstruos, or I think they might have said, like, the equivalent of apparition at some point. But, yeah, generally I'm going to try to keep you guys up with the trilingual version of the show as we go. Is that the one where, uh, is that the one where, where Kurama's a girl? No, that's the, that's the uh, Filipino yeah. one. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha, man. There's a lot of different, different dubs for that stuff. Yeah, what's interesting is, last thing I'll say about this comparison for right now, but there was also a Portuguese version for Brazil back in the 90s that predates all the other western hemisphere dubs and i've i don't know enough about it to state whether or not the spanish one takes any inspiration for that or from that or if it's only from uh the u.s and japanese versions there's a chance that maybe some of the stuff that i don't recognize from either of those versions has basis in the uh, portuguese dub cool and so when they're talking about Yusuke being gone, Atsuko reassures Keiko that Yusuke will come back. And lo and behold, he comes back and it looks like he hasn't showered in literally six months. Or and one it, month. Or one month. Depending <laughs> on which really, language you're listening on, to. You know, that, the point that, is that Yusuke's looking rough when he comes back, but he looks more confident. That, that makes me wonder, do you think Funk w- would smell any worse from one to six months? Or do you think at one point the funk will just like get to peak funk and it can't get any funkier? So I know that at least with jeans, like there's a certain level at which funk peaks and that also like bacterial growth peaks at a certain point in, in jeans, like denim jeans. Uh, so I wonder if the same is true with other fabrics and the human body. But you know, let's let's set up let's ask Mythbusters about this some other time. Send in a request. <laughs> We, we, we want to ask you about anime, but not the way you think we do. <laughs> you have to think of the important questions. True, true. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, Yusuke apparently takes a shower, and uh, we cut to Yusuke and Kuwabara talking about how Genkai's healing powers 
work miracles, especially on Kuobara's uh, broken arm. He was apparently only bedridden for one day, and uh, they talk a little bit about his training. And how it's basically scarred Yusuke for life. <laughs> There's a bunch of flashbacks to him balancing on a needle using the Rihado for 12 hours. So basically conjuring all his energy into his one finger to do a handstand for literally half a day or else he'll <laughs> die. <laughs> and also using energy to block things. So in the U.S. this is walking an energy attack, while in the Japanese version it says catching your opponent's rehado. Which raises the question, who else would use this? Because the English subtitle explicitly said catching your opponent's rehado. Not like catching your opponent's energy attack, specifically the rehado. Which, um, there's a chance that maybe the translation is slightly, uh, connotatively different because there, there's terms in Japanese martial arts regarding training partners. Mm -hmm. So it might've been like, this is an exercise in catching your training partners, reihado, but that same term can also be used for enemy in certain contexts. So there's a chance it was that, but I didn't listen closely enough to find out. Uh, but yeah, so other uh, other harrowing things uh, include Yusuke apparently having to meditate on a bonfire. And uh, at first I was like, oh, maybe this is a bad translation. Found out, like, no, this is legitimately what was said. And then the Japanese version, he apparently had to sleep with snakes, while in the U.S. version, he had to sleep on a bed of needles. Oh, the U.S. and Latin American version? The thing is, the bed of needles thing isn't that scary, because if you know about how beds of needles work, sleeping on them like is actually not dangerous because you're spreading like uh, pressure over an entire surface. Meanwhile, sleeping with snakes, depending on what they are, is either dangerous or just terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I also don't know how that would bring out more power. I mean, it, it certainly could uh, bring up your willpower to survive. I guess, yeah. Wait, so did, I can't remember, did they show him with the snakes and the needles, or is it just like a passing thing? That one's just mentioned, which is why they were able to say different things in the different versions. Meanwhile, they showed, you know, the handstand on the needle thing. Yeah, I remember that and her yelling at him constantly. I, just, I wasn't sure if they showed that or not. Just sometimes, like, I'll, I'll get some, a call or something and I'll pause it and I'll maybe forget something happened. <laughs> So uh, now Yusuke says he's more powerful and has a bunch of tricks up his sleeve, you know, and Kubara's like, oh, I'd like to see that. <laughs> but then Keiko comes in and she almost hears what she's talking, what they're talking about. So he, they have to come up with the excuse of wanting to go see a movie. Or, or it's Kubara that says movies. I love them. No, I, I think it's Yusuke, but he's like, movies, I love them. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but just before they get to the theater, Yusuke gets the heebie-jeebies and ditches Keiko because he points out to Kuobara that something's wrong. Uh, but he, in order to tell Keiko, like, oh yeah, we gotta go, he says that he needs to pick something up that only guys need to be there for. And in the Japanese version, Kuobara asks, oh, is it a dirty book or something? Well, in the US version, Kuobara asks, is it itching cream? <laughs> Which I... I guess I kind of see where they're coming from with that, but it's kind of weird. And in the Latin American version, he says... You know, is it revistas? Which means, like, effectively magazines, but the implication being, is it porn magazines, my dog? Uh, <laughs> like, like, is that is that actually the term they use for that? And and that like... I, I think it's like revistas pornográficas or something like that. Yeah. He didn't say that directly. Did no, he? he just said revistas. I gotcha, but it's implied. Yeah, he says it salaciously in a way where it would be. It's like you want to read Nintendo Power, my dude. It'd be <laughs> Sports, Sports <laughs> Illustrated. We up for this? 
But yeah, you get, you get the idea. Um, but so Yusuke says, that's not what we're really doing. You know, it turns out they're being followed by a bunch of uh, zombie type dudes who have knives. And uh, after getting them into an alley, without really saying anything, they just suddenly attack them. I like to think of them as the blue man group. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's that's actually... A, yeah. So the guys are drawn blue, but it's never remarked on by any of the characters making me think it's more to show they're, like, sickly and pallid, that it's not even, like, an energy thing. It's more just like, yo, these dudes are weird, so it's kind of, like, a purely impressionistic effect. Yeah, that, that's my thinking was, because wasn't the wasn't the, the one guy that, that stole that cat from Kurobara, wasn't he also... Like represented as blue or no? He had demon horns. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, horns. And yeah. which they actually make note of. So I feel like for these guys, it's not the same case where oh, they're being—he's actually a demon. Yeah, and I think like in animation in general, both Western and Japanese, usually if there's some indication of possession, the skin tone will change, like be more gray. Or, like, blue, for example. So I guess this is kind of like, I guess, er, low-budget 90s anime. That sounds about right. They're going to go with blue, because I'm sure they didn't have the paint to do, like, a lighter color. Yeah, Um, until they get to later in the series where they have too much money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Yusuke takes this opportunity to show off one of his new techniques, the uh, shotgun. Uh, and in Japanese, describes this as the first step of the Reihado techniques. Uh, interesting. It, it's, it seems weird that, given what else the Reihado does, it seems weird that this is the first thing you learn. Um, but yeah, you know, he basically shoots out a bunch of energy out of his hand in a way that I guess you could describe like a shotgun, but it's halfway between a shotgun and a machine gun because it's yeah. shooting out but repeating, yeah. which no shotgun does to my knowledge, unless you're Terry Crews and the Incre- uh, not the Incredibles, the Expendables. <laughs> you never use the auto shotgun in Counter Strike, have you? Oh, I get okay. Yes, I guess there's that as well. But uh, Kuwabara, you know, after these dudes are out, Kuwabara senses something quote unquote not very human. And they chase after this sketchy dude in a trench coat who then gets knocked out by Botan, dressed all to the nines and has a metal bat. This, the trench coat guy, turns out to be a demon spy who slipped through the human demon world barrier a few days ago. In the uh, Japanese version, the place that he's from is called Demon City, or uh, like Demon City, which actually gets referenced way later in the show during the third season. They straight up have a video game called Demon City. Uh, And in the U.S. version, they're just described as coming across the barrier, later being from a place called the City of Ghosts and Apparitions. And uh, honestly, I think some of this was to avoid uh, a lawsuit regarding the movie Labyrinth, which a lot of this season, uh, which a lot of this arc is based on to some degree. So you gotta edit in the, that song with David Bowie, like, dance, magic, dance. Yeah, why not? You could. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, yeah, after knocking the guy out, or the demon out, Botan then drops a new mission onto Yusuke, which Yusuke literally starts complaining, like, hey, I wanted a fucking vacation. <laughs> I just got back from training in Kowenma. They shoot back to a scene with Kowenma. He's back in his office, and he's I always find it funny when they go to Kawenma and he's like stamping all these approvals like, okay, let's do this. Reincarnation, sure, why not? <laughs> Stuff like that. So I always kind of find it fun that this baby 
and he acts like a baby half the time and sees Kate's boss. <laughs> <laughs> so Quenma receives a letter from the Spore Saint Beast, a notorious criminals who are demanding that they give him immediate immigration to the living and human world. Um, so these four saint beasts are infamous throughout the spirit world and who escaped capture before by locking themselves in a booby trap fortress and have surrounded themselves with t thousands of followers who eventually form the city of ghosts and apparitions. And they are using a whistle to control the Makai insects that we've seen earlier to affect humans. So like those punks that attacked you St. Kubarafor are actually being infected by these demon insects. And they're being pushed to do very mindless evil evil things basically. Just wanton acts of violence. Yes, exactly. Mm. And the only way to rescue the city is to destroy the whistle, thus killing the insects. Mm -hmm. And the insects aren't can't be seen by normal people, so people with high spiritual sense, such as Kulbara, can see them. And they're huge, nasty, nasty mosquito things. Yeah, they're they, terrifying. Yeah, with like red eyes, and they're gross. And they turn your skin blue. You don't like. You don't want to have that. No. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, they mentioned that basically right now there's a small perimeter barrier around the Demon City, which this is the first time they say the phrase Kakai Barrier, mm -hmm. which blew me away to realize that they had said that, but that becomes a big thing in Season 3. Um, effectively, this has some of the same limitations, but the covers a smaller area and the holes are smaller as well. Because mm -hmm. it's a lattice work, like a 4D, it's like a four-dimensional lattice work. Uh, Yusuke complains about why Koenma is just sending him to take on a city of demons alone, to which, uh, you know, Kuobara volunteers to go with him, because he's got to protect the city, and just in case you forgot, he's got a sword. Direct quote. <laughs> uh, there's a, when he says this, you know, some very Japanese sports fan banners come up, uh, one of which says, Kuobara, a man who loves his hometown. <laughs> it's super adorable. I had to pause that scene just because I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> One thing to note is that Kobar still hasn't really been briefed on the exact existence of demons. And so when Botan is literally explaining all this stuff that Kobar shouldn't know, it's only the last minute when he finally volunteers himself that she's like, Oh, silly Kobar, these things don't exist. You don't have to worry. And then he has a crush on her right now, so he's like, I gotta protect my hometown, pretty lady, and everything. Well, I mean, after seeing all the weird crap of that tournament, I'm just, I don't think anything can phase him at this point. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, there's some stuff that can phase him that will come up in the next season. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, as in like, oh, there's demons. Well, I mean, that kind of makes sense after all that crap I saw. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. He basically saw the extent of humans being weird. Now it's time to see demons being weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not that different if you think about it. They just have different forms mm -hmm. it's very progressive of you <laughs> so um now since i don't see skin cool. color <laughs> especially blue yeah <laughs> blue skin color That's... sorry sorry keep going wow <laughs> so you skin kuobara just um end up jumping through this little secret tunnel that leads directly to the saint beast castle well in actuality kuobara since he wants to protect his hometown, just jumps right on in, and Votan 
is then gives Yusuke before he go follows a commu- communication device. device and then tell and Yusuke tells Botan to deal with Keiko who's like super upset and understandably she yeah. got ditched yeah <sighs> by her pseudo boyfriend and his and his BFF <laughs> but I would do the same thing you gotta save your hometown so yeah so they end up jumping through the secret tunnel and they arrive at the castle and it's kind of like kind of looks like Jim Henson's labyrinth except like a matte painting of it. It's and almost the exact same shot when she first goes into the uh, place outside of the Demon City. Minus David Bowie. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> you know, with copyright, it lo- it can get a little fudged back then, especially. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> well, I mean, you could get away with so much in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, Karama's pretty enough to be David Bowie, if you think about it. Yo, man, when you see, the- there's a David Bowie analog in this group, and mm-hmm. he's he's pretty too. I'm pretty sure that Karama is David Bowie. No, he's, I mean, Kurama's very pretty, but not the same way. What are you thinking, Hei? I don't know, Hei has more of the face features. No, 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 not not amongst this group, amongst the enemy group who we'll be talking about as we go oh, on. Oh, that's right, okay. <laughs> so, how we, like, like how we mentioned that the four saint bees have followers, well, they're more like actual cultists, and so they get sworn by a bunch of hooded demon cultists. What are their cultists? I just thought they. This looks like a cult. Yeah. <laughs> they're surrounded by like. They're like followers creepers. who probably treat them like religious figures in a way, like because I mean they are creatures of legend. Like effectively, they've just been trapped for a long time, and these uh, these little hooded dudes are called fugaki, which translates to decayed, starving demon. Mm. Yeah, and so Yusuke and Kuwabara, they're kind of struggling with trying to fight all of them because there's a ton and all of a sudden our favorite two demons Karama and Hiei show up as balls of light which they never do again <laughs> scaring away the demons um and saving Yusuke and Kuwabara so finally the whole team is here <laughs> and they're here to help Yusuke beat the Saint Beast in exchange for being pardoned for their past crimes um, I think he has more against him than Kurama, obviously. <laughs> is there a jail for the yokai? I was just thinking about that. Like, where do they go? Do I they just like think it's implied but never shown? Yeah. Like, they they talk a lot about the different Buddhist uh, like hells and heavens mm-hmm. at various points. Like, there are later people who you see being sentenced, but they never show you what actually goes on in them. Because I think the understanding is like, well, you were raised in a Buddhist society, so you probably already know, my dude. Well, the thing, the thing I'm thinking about is that these people like escape from different dimensions all the time. It's like, like, what's the point of bringing them into one area where they're just going to pop out and go back somewhere if the story deems it necessary? So, it's kind of... <sighs> like, I mean, because isn't that what happened in the first place? That Kurama and he- Kurama, Hei and Big Dude broke into that... Broke into that, uh... That thing to steal the items and then yeah. they left to the human world. It's kind of and then they so went back to the spirit world. The topology of this universe is kind of weird, like because the human world and the demon world kind of overlap spatially, but like you can move between them. While the spirit world is off, and you have to move through space to get to it. Uh, this is all by implication. This is not discussed super explicitly. And then there are places within the spirit world that are geographically distinct from, like, the main hall of judgment and rule. Uh, and so 
logistically, you could have the prisons be off in those, like, weird side corridors. Mm-hmm. And I that's assume, effectively what I think is done. I just assume there's a giant prison that has, like... I think there's multiple prisons of, like, like different like, standings. Like, literally just a prison just in the demon world. It's like, demon prison, put demons here. Well, so they talk about multiple levels of hell while they're... In a, in a later episode, like, for instance, there's one where... They literally strip away every aspect of your soul besides your ability to feel pain, and then you're just reduced to nothingness for a couple thousand years. Jeez, I, yeah. don't think, I was just imagining like a a, a demon Oz. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch Demon Oz. Like I don't, I don't know. I wasn't thinking of that deep. I, you know, just a regular prison except demons. Oh, there's there. a character later who elects to go there, but I got you. Yeah, uh, they also talk about lesser ones, but yeah. So. Uh, so he, uh, Yusuke introduces uh, Kobara to Karama and Hiei, and Karama's, you know, he's pretty glad that they're there to give a helping hand, but then he interjects saying, like, it's more like babysitting, and tells <laughs> Kobara to stay out of their way. Burn. And this is the start of a very reoccurring, tropey, um, kind of like antagonistic relationship between he and Kobara. That consists of a lot of, you're stupid and you're short. Very eloquent insults. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because watching the Japanese version as well, like, I feel there's not as much animosity, but there are, like, implied slights, but it's not nearly as intense. And there are parts where they voice respect for each other, even while being like, but they're an idiot. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, I wonder if it's like, a similar level for the different cultures, or if it's maybe even slightly toned down in the Japanese version comparatively. Hmm. And I feel like probably for the American version, they just ended up because, like, one, it's like more entertaining, and plus, it's like given Kubar's personality and the personality that he has. I, I guess when they were trying to translate it, it made more sense for there to be more aggressive animosity between the two. It's possible, yeah. Yeah. So, once they all, like, go through, like, their squabbling and everything, they decide to, like, approach the castle, and there's this ominous voiceover by the Saint Beast about how they won't be able to defeat them or even get past the gate, the front gate. Um, the Japanese version, Kobara says, one must enter the tiger's den to get to it. To get a tiger cup. Which I think is like a uh, sort of cliche idiom mm-hmm. uh, in Japanese culture. Like there's a lot of like things that uh, characters in plays mm-hmm. would say like routinely. Um, you guys know the whole moth to a flame thing? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I I don't know if this is for sure, but it's said a ton in Japanese culture through a couple hundred years. And it's kind of just an expression people say, even if it doesn't. Even if it's just, like, weird that it's repeated so much, it's almost mm-hmm. like a cliche, but people just accept it being said. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those that's not said as often. Yeah. In the U.S. version, it's really different what he says. He says, we should make them come out of here and fight us like they aren't a bunch of sissies. <laughs> it is It is kind of cute, the difference there. Especially because in the Japanese version, he explicitly mentions tigers, which, oh, weird, <laughs> foreshadowing or something. <laughs> And when they enter the castle, they're greeted by this eye-bat monster and says that they must be tried by the gates of betrayal. And then all of a sudden, the ceiling drops on them, kind of like those booby trap ceilings. Um, the monster kind of reminded me of 
the show Monster Ranch. I was, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Swayzo with wings. Yeah. <laughs> Man, whatever happened to that show? Or the series, actually. Oh. I don't know. I think the games were still made for a number of years after. I don't know if the series was ever continued. Was yeah. it Four Kids? Or oh, was who it, brought it to who, the... I think Four like Kids. Fox? No, it wasn't Four Kids. It was oh, Fox. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> four Kids had the WB the Monster Ventures on Fox. So, oh man, this is weird, but funny story. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio where um, there was this thing where if you lived in a rural enough area, they would combine television channels because you guys didn't have the infrastructure for it. So Fox and WB were the same channel for me, and huh. they would just alternate which times of day would be they would be. So WB and Fox were one channel for me growing up. You know, the funny thing is they did something similar with the cartoons here in Arizona. The Fox affiliate, Fox 10, didn't... Um, they didn't pick up the the kids' programming. Mm-hmm. So on Saturdays, uh, the the Fox the, the Fox's cartoon block would show. Mm-hmm. And then Sundays it would be the WB block. Oh, oh. wow. So, so for years... So when I moved out here from from Jersey, it was you know the same Fox and WB. But when I moved out here, it was like it was like one channel. So I thought they didn't have it out here. It oh. took me like two years to figure then out. Then you just that. watched on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, just one day my my mom was like, "Hey, I, this the cartoon you're looking it's on here. It's on Sunday." Lol. It's like, are you kidding me? I've been looking for this channel forever. Were you worried <laughs> it was gonna be like the 700 Club? So you're like, I'm not gonna fucking watch the 700 Club. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah the 700. Yeah, that's what it was that was in the place of it on Fox. Oh, the 700 hilarious. Club and something else and some business thing. But... Jesus. Yes, I guess literally Jesus, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, is this, was the 700 Club a Jesus thing? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It wasn't an actual, like, I thought it was always like a business show, like going over, like, stocks. <laughs> I thought it was a mystery show, like the 700 Club. You know, we should find this out at some point yeah. because we have three very different ideas of what this is. <laughs> But on to the next episode. Let me blow, blow my nose real quick. <laughs> Leaving that in. Sorry. No, no, no. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Leave the 700 Club discussion and that was good. <laughs> and so the only way to escape the ceiling um, is to pull the lever, which requires one person to move, leaving the rest to be crushed. Hence the name Gates of Betrayal. And the episode ends with that cliffhanger. Just holding the ceiling. So what did, what did everyone think? I thought the episode was good. Anyways, yeah. let's continue on episode fifteen. No, <laughs> uh, no, I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty good episode. That like I said, the beginning was kind of boring, mm-hmm. but once it got to the good stuff, it's like, oh yeah, this is pretty interesting. It's definitely a gear shifting episode, and like you, Hakusho has a lot of those, honestly, because like the idea of like going between like the very unreal world back to the real world is, like, a thing that they first start exploring just by contrast and then start, like, explicitly exploring, say, mm-hmm. after episode 25, where, like, on coming back... No, 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 it's after this... Uh, it's after this part, uh, yeah. where Yusuke even says something the effect of, like, it's so boring here, I don't know what this place is anymore. Yeah. And then something happens. You know, it's kind of funny, and Yasha happened the same way. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's like they went back and forth, like, oh, yeah, let's stay in Dion world now. Yeah. <laughs> and they had that dumb arc towards the end. You can also yeah. make Persona connections with the, the contact switch thing. I guess so. Yeah. But uh, on to the next episode. <laughs> okay. So the next episode, episode 15, Genbu, the Stone Beast, or in Japanese, my favorite title, The Beautiful Dance of the Rose, The Elegant Karamas. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, anyway, the air date 
in Japan was January 23rd, 1993. In the U.S. it was June 8th, 2002. Basically what happens is that Hiei finds a switch to raise the ceiling, freeing the others from being flattened. Kurama faces against Genbu, the first of the four saint beasts, and a master of stone-based abilities. Using his plant abilities and intuition, Kurama splits Genbu apart. However, Genbu is able to reassemble and disassemble as one of his attacks. Kurama is finally able to defeat him by identifying his weakness and assembling. And then you'll find out. <laughs> um, overall impression, I'm a Kurama fangirl if you haven't noticed. So I loved it. Love seeing him fight and everything. And it's kind of fun seeing the elegant Kurama fight against this really crass, gross demon. Mr. Rockman. Mr. Rockman. Like, it's it's an odd episode to me because Kurama gets hurt during this and you're kind of built up to know that he's like a very strong fighter. Mm -hmm. And so since this is the first fight, you don't really get a good barometer of how strong the others are. But it's weird because I think the others win their fights without... Maybe with the exception of Yusuke, without sustaining as grievous of wounds. It's kind of weird with what it says uh, about their comparative power levels, but you could also argue that, like, Kurama, as criticized by Hiei, does sometimes fight too conservatively, to the point where if someone pulls out, like, a surprise attack, they can get him, even though he should be able to win. Um, which is both good and bad, because, like, his conservatism helps when he has to fight multiple opponents in a row, but it's maybe not great when he's fighting one dude. Um, but I was, I was trying to think of, like, you know, who else could have really won this fight? Um, because Kurama wins this in a way that's very characteristic of him, mm -hmm. while I think, I don't think there's any way Kuobara could have won it, and yeah. I also think that Hiei, at this point in the series, could not have won it. I think Yusuke and his dumb luck. Yusuke could have won it by just blowing him away with the spirit gun. Yeah. But, uh, Hiei, until certain things happen for the Dark Tournament, I don't think could have won this match. Mm -hmm. Because he'd have to be able to obliterate the entire body because he wouldn't be able to sense the individual thing. Well, that's what I noticed with a lot of the characters that they're all brute force uh, slash till it breaks while, while Kurama is, like, strategic. He's a surgeon. Yeah. Not in a literal sense, but he's a surgeon <laughs> of a fighter. Yeah, and I think um, as we explore later in the series and there's more consistent battles, Kurama's fighting style, it's pretty... it's as you said, conservative, but he gets hurt a lot, yeah. especially in the beginning. Rather than, you know, with most of the characters, like, Kurama's always getting injured near the very beginning of the battle. Happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the breakdown, Yusuke and friends are about to get crushed by the ceiling um, while the flying eye bat monster is watching, and he's, like, gloating, saying... <laughs> must it be one of you must betray the others who will it be that's effectively how he sounds actually <laughs> there's no exaggeration there yusuke convinces hiei to go and flip the switch since he's the fastest in the japanese version um he says if you're going to kill me you do it directly kubara thinks it's like the worst idea possible and but so yusuke believes yusuke believes he trusts hiei <laughs> So while Yusuke is using his spirit power to buy them more time, Hiei runs and is about to pull the switch when the eye bat monster tempts him with an offer to conquer the human world with the four saint beasts if he leaves the rest of his friends behind. Um, in the US version, the eye monster reveals that pulling the lever would have crushed him anyway, so 
what happens is um, he then slashes the eye monster and pulls the level lever and saves the day. Woohoo! So this this scene is somewhat weirdly complicated by the differences between the versions. So in the U.S. version, as indicated, the like when the eye monster basically thinks he has Hiei in his pocket, he says, oh yeah, well, if you had pull, pulled the lever, you would have fucking been crushed by a boulder. Um, and then Hiei says, thanks for the clue, as in like, oh, I'm only changing my mind because you told me that you're actually a dick. Meanwhile, in the Japanese version, what he said was uh, something to the effect of like, those guys are so dense, which the... Uh, eye monster takes to be about his friends that he's apparently abandoning and then the eye monster turns around says something totally unrelated and then he cuts him in half and basically says like no I was talking about your bosses you idiot <laughs> and you get like a nice slash and just flies away like a little wussy yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous so he pulls the lever uh, the boulder comes down and everyone's like oh no but you know he being the fastest dude in the crew and the fastest dude in the show to this point just dodges it, and then, like, the next time you see him, he's just standing on top of this, like, 20-foot-tall boulder. <laughs> um, he then, like, tells the, I'm, that monster that his master is better watch out and beg for mercy, and then the eye monster is, like, kind of, like, eh, flying away. <laughs> he's super fucking... I, I don't know how he survived I, any yeah, of that. Yeah, I thought he would... I thought he would die, but... He's, he's like, in lying. half. <laughs> <laughs> so, he tells the gang that he only saved them... Save them because he might need the help later. Um, it, the scene cuts to another ominous voiceover scene with the Saint Beast, uh, where one of them asks the master what they should do. The master dude then tells Siryu uh, not to fret and to tell, and orders one of them to go play with their guests. One of the Saint Beasts, who sounds really angry, especially about what Hiei said, volunteers to go down and drink his blood. <laughs> but then another Saint Beast, who has a voice that, to me, sounded like Darth Vader, and you can see that his eyes are glowing yellow, like, he's like, no, I got this, bruh. I'll decorate the castle with their dead bodies as a shout-out to the spirit world. <laughs> that makes it sound way nicer than what he said. How's that a shout-out? Yo, yeah, shout out to the spirit world. Check out these dead bodies, yo. Jake Paul's new video. Oh, oh my god. I went to, I went to a demon death castle. <laughs> oh. oh. Uh, but yeah, so cut to Botan calling Yusuke and telling him that she's handling the Makai insect infestation. Uh, it turns out they only target people who are depressed, at least in the U.S. version. While in the Japanese version, they said shady, which I don't know what they literally said in Japanese. But... Shady seems like a weird translation, but I think the idea is, like, people who already are inclined to being jerks. Um, that's a very weird localization difference. I'm wondering why they went with that, like, the depressed yeah. thing. Maybe it just fit the mouth movements better, because mm -hmm. otherwise, it seems like a very questionable choice. If you think about it, people that are shady also might suffer from depression. But that's... So, my th my, my problem with that is, like... I think that's like a small subset as opposed to the causal factor. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that generally people, more evil people, or maybe more depressed or have a sadness. I mean, is it maybe. Like, is there blue? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. Inside and out. Blew his house with a blue little window. <laughs> and a blue car right. blue girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, everything. All right. Yeah, let's just make that canon. It, they, they get shady because they're blue. Yes. This is the second podcast I've recorded today where the Eiffel 65 came up. But uh, anyways, 
Uh, Botan found another spy, but doesn't know how to, they're getting past the barrier. Uh, Botan says she can kill the insects, uh, the Makaichu, but is hesitant to attack possessed humans. It, it does seem like that. I forget if... I forget... Like, I obviously don't know what the character that was used for Chu is, but I think depending on what character it's written with, it can mean, like, insect or beast or, mm. like, rodent in some cases. Uh, but, like, I might just be speaking out of my ass. But, uh, anyways... Uh, Botan says to get the whistle and destroy it. You know, just kind of like a, hey, reminder, uh, there's kind of a timeline for this. All the while, she's just running from things. Uh, and it just cuts to Koenma and George in the spirit world, uh, where Koenma's looking up info in their library about the four saint beasts, since he doesn't know anything about them. Was he, using, was he actually, he has a book, right? I don't, he didn't have a computer, right? Uh, it's just books, yeah. I, like, I th- yeah, I thought, I could just want to get a computer on his desk, but maybe it's just... He a, does have a computer, I think... I think there's a computer... Well, no. Okay, so the screen behind him has computer-like functions. This is never really elaborated on. But um, it has computer-like functions. But he's looking in the library because, one, it was the early 90s. And, two, it's it's implied to be old knowledge. So even if you had a computer, it probably wouldn't be in there. You'd probably be going through your old, like, library vaults to find some information. You'd think they digitize in the demon world by then, right? Nah, man. I think they're slow to adopt. They yeah. didn't have it on a floppy disk. Yeah, <laughs> thousands of years of tradition, man. I feel bad for their accountants and stuff. That must suck. <sighs> so it switches back to Maze Castle, and there are six-sided chandeliers decorating the castle, which is common in Japanese depiction of the Western occult. Mm-hmm. Um, these originating from the readings of the Key of Solomon, which is a medieval grimoire. Um, which is divorce probably because it has uh, a lot of... Really, really quick. Uh, so the Key of Solomon was a book about demons uh, in the Middle Ages from Europe. But it was also super racist against Jews. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of the reason that six-sided stars show up in Japanese depictions of the occult is because of that conflation of the Book of Solomon and like things related to Jews with the demonic Oh, wow. Man, Jews just can't get a break, right? Yeah. Yeah, but see, in, in Japan, I don't think the idea is being hateful towards Jews. It's just like, oh, shit, we saw this pattern all over the lesser key of Solomon, so I guess it's a thing. I guess it makes sense, but... Yeah, it's it's, it's just kind of weird. Still not messed up. Yeah, still not good. Was that censored in the English version? No, it's just there, because it's just a chandelier. And, like, you could just be like, well, that's a six-sided star chandelier, and without cultural context, it won't be obvious to you why we have this here but yeah so uh <laughs> maybe the demons are just jewish in the japanese oh, version no. <laughs> oh my god werewolf bar mitzvah anyways dude uh, i would pay money to go to something like that that'd be awesome <laughs> that's a that's a thing from um 30 rock <laughs> but yeah what happens is, um now is that yusuke asks Kurama what he knows about the four saint beasts saying that botan Botan literally didn't really say much before sending them to the castle. Kurama reveals that the spirit world basically forgot that the castle existed. Maybe because, you know, their archival system is only a library. <laughs> Who knows? It's a big library. <laughs> like I said, they gotta get those upgrades going on. Mm-hmm. And then um, Kurama elaborates that um, they'll be surprised when they see their bodies. So... The Darth Vader voice pops up out of nowhere, saying that they should be terrified and laughs evilly. It turns out to be the Saint Beast Gembu, who's a rock demon. Um, Gembu challenges everyone to take him out at once so that they don't have to die alone. 
How sweet. It's cute. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and Karama volunteers to fight first. Yo. Hey, what's with that karaoke machine? Oh, oh, I thought you were asking about the plane. No, I was asking about the karaoke. Oh, that's machine. that's Tony's. Um, I gotcha. Yeah, continue. Sorry. Okay. Um. Karama then says, because Karama, he's a pretty, you know, calm guy, but he has little, likes. he's a little sarcastic, so he does say, like, he doesn't want Hiei to get the only credit and whatnot. Um, in the U.S. version, Hiei elaborates on saying, I chose Karama as my partner because I don't want him as my enemy. He's more cutthroat than me when it comes to battle and unbelievably precise. Karama then starts battling, but has an abdomen wound from the tail that just, like, came out straight from the ground out of nowhere. Um, so that's the trope of Karama getting hurt. Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> it's always in the stomach. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's just because, you know, there's so much room to be like, well, maybe that wasn't fatal or <laughs> stuff like that. Like, especially with that quote from last time, not last time, two episodes ago, where he said, like, uh, I'm a demon, I can handle more than that. <laughs> it's like, okay, He's I guess cool. decapitated, I'm cool with this. <laughs> it's a flesh wound. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Genbu then sinks into the floor because uh, he reveals that he's basically able to merge with any mineral slash rock. Dude, this sounds like something like those kids would make up from, oh, you can't kill me because I had body armor on. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> I am the wall, watch I'm, out. I'm the floor, I'm everything, you can't kill me. Yeah, I think he even says, like... Th- I can't remember if it's in the Japanese version or the U.S. version, but he's like, the chamber is me. No, that's in the Japanese version. Oh, okay. And uh, so he periodically appears and disappears and does, like, multiple focus point physical attacks. Like, he punches in one way and then has his tail come in from the other way. Meanwhile, Kurama's just dodging all of this because he's a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Like a G. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I can't wait this. Like, I think his solution to the battle was pretty clever. Yeah. Have, yeah. We, have we got there yet? Not yet, not, not yet. yet. We're gonna get there. So, Harama pulls out his signature weapon, the Rose Whip, which he... Which is the same in the English and Japanese version. To the point where Kuwabara in the Japanese version says, What a pretentious guy. He even said it in English. <laughs> so, basically, it starts off with him pulling out a rose, and all of a sudden... The um, plant part of it extends out to be a whole whip. And um, back in the spirit world, the peanut gallery with George and Koenma, they point out, hey, don't animal spirits use it? And then so it kind of gives you a little hint about Karama's demon side. Um, with the spirit, with the rose whip, Karama cuts Genbu into pieces and everyone's like, yeah. And he comments seeing how the rose whip's ability to cut in the Japanese version can cut through iron in the English version, any substance, including solid stone. Which is weird because he definitely has a whip duel with a dude in the next season where neither of them is cutting the other's whip. <laughs> and it looks like Karama won, but plot twist, Genbu... Oh, oh, shoot, Genbu sorry I wrote this. appears and yeah. reassembles. And everything. And everyone's like, what the fuck? How is he all back together? And um, basically, 
he Gambu talks about how he has the ability to reassemble himself um, in any pieces, rearrange himself, and basically shoot out any part of his body. Because he's a rock. He's a rock. I guess that's what rocks do. I didn't learn that in geology class. But... I mean, let's ask Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> he, he knows all about this. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Genbu, you know, reassembles and attacks Kurama again, uh, using this uh, disassembly as an attack, actually, like, firing himself off at him, like, they made a machine gun-like noise, like, it's like a Gatling gun, and the mm-hmm. name of the attack in the Japanese version, Exploding Rock Shock Bombshell, <laughs> which they just don't even say in the U.S. version. Rolls right off your tongue. Yep. And, uh, Kurama cuts him up again, but to no avail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while doing this, uh, you know, while doing this and realizing, like, oh, crap, I might, you know, not be able to do this... Kurama notices one of the rocks has a weird glow to it that they show impressionistically by making it glow and pulse red. Uh, and so, you know, he takes note and goes from there. Yeah. Um, Gen, like, so when, at one point, Gumbu reassembles himself after injuring Kurama a bit more. But the thing is, when he looks at Kurama from, it shows is if, if, if it's Gumbu's point of view. Like, Kurama's upside down. He's like, wait, what? And then, all of a sudden, you see Yusuke and Kulabara laughing their asses off. Yusuke makes some joke about balls. <laughs> uh, so I know in the Japanese version, Yusuke says, you've got huge balls, dude, or something like that. And I think in the American version, he, th- he says something like, talk about brass balls. Yeah. <laughs> and Kulabara's like, I wonder how he uses the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Then Genbu rearranged himself so where his head is actually where his crotch is supposed to be. So he's literally like a crotch head. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, tail is also now where his arm is supposed to be. He's like all sorts of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Genbu's like asking like, how? What the heck? And then that's when Kurama elaborates and notices and talks about the glowing red rock. And it relates about saying that he thought it was the... Um, the control center of Gembu's energy. Mm-hmm. In the Japanese version, they call it the command pylon. In yeah, the... which blew me away. I'm like, that's the phrase you're going to use for this? <laughs> I mean, in the US version, it's more like the hypothalamus, which is like the control center of the brain. Um, in the Japanese version, Kurama uh, mentions how he noticed it because he's a professional thief after all. Kurama destroys the rock with his whip, making um, Genbu crumble into dust, defeating him. Ooh. Um, so, everyone is, like, super impressed, except for Hiei. For some reason, Hiei is really hard to impress. <laughs> I, I think he's more almost afraid or disappointed. Yeah. Because he knows how strong Kurama is, and he's just kind of thinking, like, oh, fuck, if that was just the first dude, what are we fighting? Yeah. Didn't he say something like that before, like, right at the end of it? Like, Yeah, he says, uh, Kurama, to think you were injured this badly, either meaning, like, oh, man, Kurama, you fucked up, or, oh, fuck, these guys are gonna be strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, didn't he say, like, there's a reason why I was Kurama's ally? Oh, yeah, yeah, he said that earlier, and we, we mentioned it. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a good, this episode showcases Kurama's fighting ability, but at the same time, I guess, I like, if you were watching this from the beginning and not having watched any other parts of the show, you'd think, um, Kurama's kind of, like, not as impressive as we think. He's not, like, a 
powerhouse in comparison to yeah. the other characters. It's like, oh, who's this fucking nerd? Yeah, fucking nerd, pretty boy. <laughs> it's mama's boy. <laughs> what is he doing? Nerd. <laughs> I think he's the most creative fighter, though. That's, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, with the first um, Saint Beast being beaten, now the gang goes on board and it shows the shadow of the next one they're gonna fight. Dun dun dun. Well, perfect timing for that plane. You know, I'm just gonna say fuck planes. Let's let's just go through them now, unless it's like absurdly loud. I I don't care. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm surprised there's so many planes compared to the last time. Yeah, it is yeah. weird. Jeez. Well, maybe everyone's flying out for Fourth of July. That's entirely possible. So yeah, let's let's do this episode, and then we can take a short break. On episode 16, Miyako, the White Tiger. In the American version, in the Japanese version, it's Grow, Rekin, Kobara, a man's fight. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> man in the loosest terms. <laughs> it aired originally in Japan on January 30th, 1993, and in the U.S. in June 15th, 2002. Um basic synopsis, Botan figures out that the Makai insects can inhabit depressed adults and children. Kobara demands to fight the next opponent himself and encounters Byako, the second saint beast. Byako summons beast from his mane to attack Kobara, um, which Kobara counters with his spirit sword, defeating each and every beast. With Byako's ability to absorb energy, Kobara's attacks prove to be fruitless. But determined to win, Kobar devises a plan to defeat Biako. Yeah, a lot actually happens in this episode. It's a long battle. It's a long battle. In yeah, I think it's one of my favorite ones out of these battles so far. Mm-hmm. Except that I, re- I really like Biako. He's a really interesting villain. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, Yusuke, he's the main character, but definitely Kobara is the second lead. I forgot the Deuteron... Deuteron... Yeah, y'all know what we're talking about. Second lead. Second lead. So it's cool seeing um, the growth within Kobara as well. It's like, it's a good contrast, but not really a contrast. I don't... I guess it's like a good complement to the growth Yusuke goes through without the series and... This is a good. This battle really showcased Korobara as the only human, in, um, other than Yusuke, with like everything fighting all these humans. Um, anyway, so the breakdown of this episode: Kurama needs to recover from his wounds, leaving only three fighters. With Hiei implying that Korobara is the weak link, Korobara shows off um, new and improved Spirit Sword, which is awesome. It's not a broken sword anymore um and Kawama jokes that Kuobara needs to become the spirit detective since he's less of a smart ass <laughs> which is true <laughs> um the signature moves sword get long which is basically a sword long enough to break the ceiling um he effectively makes a spear with yeah. a spirit sword but it just it's just goofy that in the English version he effectively just says sword get long and it's just like what are you doing me <laughs> So Kopa just kind of just goes around and keeps on showing it off um, to the point that he passes out because he used up all his spirit energy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty goofy. It's oh, I just had the worst thought. But anyways, uh, yeah, Yusuke talks to Botan again, uh, who tells him that the situation in the human world is getting worse. 
with the Makai insects infecting depressed people and kids. She keeps on getting chased by possessed people. She's fighting people off, but it's getting more and more difficult as more and more people spread. She's like beating the shit out of him with the bat. Yeah, I don't know. Man, that's... Now I'm thinking about her. She kind of reminds me of Negan in this. Minus all the the barbed wire. Jesus, anyways. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, uh, they finish talking to Botan and the ceiling starts to crumble as a mighty roar shakes up the castle. Uh, the four of them have to end up running through uh, like a bunch of stairs over falling structures in order to get the hell out of there. Uh, and Hie just jumps over like an entire flight of stairs while the others are like running through. And they end up on a like high altitude bridge slash plaza. It's kind of, it's it's very fighting game stage. Like you can mm-hmm. imagine a Mortal Kombat match ha- happening here. Uh, and th- the opponent of the day is uh, Biako, a white tiger demon standing on an elevated platform wearing a tiger skin kilt slash tunic, and he isn't happy. Uh, he gave like a Fred Flintstone vibe with that. Yeah, yeah he's supposed to be kind of caveman-y, but like cave tiger man, cave, cave furry. Kovara huh. uh, calls dibs on this fight in particular, even though he's secretly really freaked out. And he has his spirit energy back, so he shows off his handy dandy spirit sword, which Biako laughs at. Very rude. <laughs> Biako should stop making fun of that guy's sword. That's not nice. I know. All swords are, are, are beautiful. <laughs> Biako roars again, and um, the stress it causes the plaza to fall apart and basically narrows it down to like a little oval with two straight structural supports um basically if you fall you're gonna fall to the ground and die yeah like it's hundreds of feet in the air yeah like you see like a forest of trees below where they're pretty fucking small so mm-hmm. this this is a mortal Kombat stage yeah, yeah. So they gotta file some uh some osha violations going on here <laughs> that doesn't look safe at all to walk across i i don't know man we'll get to further parts of today's episode where like there's a lot of workplace difficulties for the Saint Beast, I'll put it that way. I mean, like, I don't even think that the bridge is wheelchair accessible. In it is way. definitely no, not. No, definitely this entire not. arc is not wheelchair accessible. <laughs> wow. Uh, Biako says he hasn't had fresh meat since they were sealed. So uh, I'm wondering, have these guys not eaten since they were sealed? Because, like, there are characters later in the show who straight up, like, don't eat for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So, I'm wondering if maybe demons can do that, they just get weaker, which would also partially explain why these guys had such a reputation, but spoilers end up losing to the crew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just that the, I don't think there's any... Because di- demons are like spirits, they don't have to eat, right? So they do have to eat, but like, if they're powerful enough, they can sustain themselves just based on like their energy for like a long time. Because I mean, doesn't Biako just eat Reiki at this point? Uh... That's he can, saying. but, like, other people don't have that ability. Also, like, mm-hmm. there's a character later in the show who explicitly starves to death. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, uh... That's, that's very... a spoiler! <laughs> I mean, okay, someone's gonna not eat for a while. <laughs> so, uh... So he goes on, and he summons a bunch of mini tigers from his mane, and uses them to attack Kuwabara. And Kuwabara, in the Japanese version... <laughs> says, who is this guy? Sun Wukong? So Sun Wukong is the Monkey King, uh, you know, the basis of Dragon Ball. Uh, But basically, in a lot of the parts of that book, whenever he needs to fight a bunch of dudes at the same time, he just rips out some hair of his, blows his chi onto them, and they just turn into clones of him, and they do, like, cool fucking Dragon Ball-style multi-attacks. 
Is that another Journey to the West reference? That is a Journey to the West oh reference. Oh my god. It is with Journey to the West and everything in anime. It's everywhere. Oh my god. Every anime I've watched so far is one Journey to the West reference. <laughs> it's It's got a man. I haven't even watched. I need to watch. Is there like a definite version of Journey to the West? Mm. Uh, like, is it like a TV movie? or? So there's some pretty good movies, one of which I own. Um, but, like, if you want the definitive thing, there's, like, an English translation from, like, the early 1900s, but yeah. Yeah, I just need, like, a, like, the, the de- definitive... It's definitive. really long, just so you know. Like, it's really, really long. Define like it's really like, long. I'm pretty sure, like, the combined four books of it are, like, a thousand pages. That's not long. Stephen King books easily, like, a thousand pages. Yeah, but, like, once you read how it's written, you'll be like, fuck, this is gonna take forever. Because it's, like, the prose of it's, like, kind of, like, religious. So yeah, it's kind true. of, yeah, you'll you'll see. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, you know, he summons these uh, tiger beasts. And they don't play well with Kubara. Uh, he's having a pretty fucking rough time to the point where they start playing the, the sad music. <laughs> I can't even remember the title of it, but it's the one where it's like, this person might die. Um, which, you know, what does that mean in this show? Can we go over I that jump thing? the gun really early? No, so it's not that music. It's not, so it's not the other sad music where it's like, this person might die, but they'll put on a last stand. This is the, they just might die, uh, one. Uh, Yusuke. Totally, yeah. <laughs> That's, there's, there's a big difference between those two. So Yusuke offers, uh, to step in as he says, you know, his shotgun could kill all of them simultaneously. Uh, but Kuwabara refuses to give up and tells Yusuke that he'll fucking kill him if he tries to intervene. <laughs> He's like, I'm too cool for this. More like, oh yeah, I would never be able to live that down. So Kuwabara comes up with a plan, which involves running back towards uh, Yusuke and Kurama and Hiei, getting the mini tigers to follow him into a straight line, and using his spirit lord, making it get long, he shish kebabs <laughs> the tigers. They survive um, because these tigers are not normal tigers, and Biako charges them with even more energy, chasing Kuwabara. So Kuwabara ends up running in a circle, tying the ends of his spirit sword together, making a nice monster beast donut. Is, is that what he literally says? Like, monster beast donut? That's what yeah. he says in the dub, yeah. yeah. He yeah. says, donato. Donato. I, I was gonna say, oh, it's like a tiger wreath, but... Tiger yeah. wreath is way better! Holy shit! <laughs> the grain, so yeah. it looks like one. Oh my god, Merry Christmas indeed. Uh, <laughs> we have some holiday items going up on our store. Oh my god, can we start a, uh, can we start, like, a, a store for us? But I, I think we can, but we might run into some legal issues. But we'll figure it out. Yeah. So uh, you know, Biako's fucking pissed, and he like disintegrates those uh, tigers, uh, mm-hmm. kind of reincorporates them or whatever. He Thanoses them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, Kuwabara now faces off with Biako side by side. Turns out when Biako comes down from that pillar, he's like fifteen feet tall. And uh, yeah, so... that, guy, that guy's a lot taller than I thought he was. I thought he was like a little bit taller than Yusuke, but this guy's like. Like, it's almost a building. Yeah, he's fucking gigantic. Like, he's bigger than a guy who shows up later who's also gigantic. Um, the thing is, his size is really weird, because he looks a lot smaller in the later episodes. Well, so scale was... There were a lot of problems with scale in anime before people started using more CG, where you could, like, standardize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, really you can... Weird. If you see, like, lower-budget cartoons, you definitely see people walk down hallways... 
and their scale changes in a way that doesn't make sense with the depth of the hallway that if you were actually to measure it out, people would look like they're shrinking. Like, weird shit like that, and this is kind of one of those cases where there's inconsistent scale. But you can just say there's a demon and it doesn't count. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, Kuwabara starts slashing at Byako with his sword, and it doesn't seem to be having any effect, and uh, Kurama, you know, kind of keys in on this and is like, oh, crap, he's absorbing that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so Byako starts getting bigger and stronger, and uh, Kuwabara is getting a lot more tired as his sword is getting shorter. I feel there's, like, a weird sexual metaphor somewhere in here, but I'll just leave it for you the know, listeners. I, w- I was thinking of the same thing. There's some... I wasn't sure if there was a, a category for what was going on. I this- mean, the sword is a very phallic symbol. And mm-hmm. then I thought sometimes Kulvaro will be like, he'll make the sword reappear, but his hands are kind of near his crotch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, he's like getting more and more empty from, from Reiki as he keeps going. Yeah, this is a very Atsui fight, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one was picking up those vibes. This is the most Bara Kuwabara fight. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, this is this is a struggle to watch Kuwabara fight this guy. In general, I felt like not only us as audience felt the struggle, but he, Kurama, and Yusuke also felt the struggle because they were constantly saying things like "Let me help you," like Yusuke, or he was like. Typical, he would run or this guy. <laughs> what a dick! I just think so he useless. is. I think he just has that complex where he doesn't like in the beginning where he just lost the use case so many times. He just doesn't want to be second fiddle. He wants to be the main character. He mm-hmm. he isn't gonna give up. So Kuwabara rushes in for one last attack, ending the episode in a cliffhanger. <sighs> of of bizarre note though is that if you look at Biako, he's starting to look off model, but in a way that will mean something later. He's starting to look chubby instead of just fucking jacked like he was earlier. But that will be elaborated on later. Mm-hmm. I just thought the animators just sucked. I wouldn't say they sucked. Let's let's say budget constraints. You know, you could be like, oh, maybe they just got totally off model because they didn't have time. It's just those filler, the filler, um, what's it called? The, the filler frames that they do? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's just squishing and stretching or some shit. But yeah, no, but, I think they explicitly, yeah. they made him... Fat in this shot on purpose, but without revealing too much. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Good stuff. Good so stuff. let's take a break. Yeah. So we're going to discuss episode 17, Biako's Lair, a.k.a. Biako's Hellish Roar. The Japanese title is still longer than the American one, but not by much for once. <laughs> so this episode first showed February 6, 1993 and June 22, 2002 in Japan and the U.S. respectively. Uh, Biako, like the synopsis goes something along the lines of Biako is seemingly defeated after absorbing too much spirit energy, yet Biako appears once more to fight Kuwabara in a room full of molten lava. Kuwabara is faced with the obstacle of being eaten by Biako and being burned by the lava. Using a new technique, Biako turns the tables on Kuwabara, who desperately claims victory by sending uh, Biako into the lava. What do you guys think about this episode? I thought it was kind of... It's like, how the heck did he survive that? Is my, my questioning. 
Uh, I kind of like I kind of like that there's more of it because I thought he was an interesting villain. So I want to see more of it. So I was excited. I I also like how this is kind of where. So Yusuke is now at a level where it's like, oh yeah, it's appropriate you're the, you're a spirit detective. Meanwhile, Kuwabara is still kind of catching up. It's still like, there's a little bit of chance to the shit you're doing still. To be yeah. fair, Kuwabara, oh sorry, uh, Kuwabara just, uh, I just think, like, compared to Yusuke, he just doesn't have the training. He's, like, amateur-esque, but he, he can hold his own. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I, I definitely think this shows his being kind of an amateur. I don't know. Everything just seems to be pushed on him so fast, like, uh... He goes from some kid fighting to using the sword out of nowhere and becoming second place to holding his own in this fight against this giant tiger man. Yeah, because it's kind of like Cool Boss, like, basically a fish out of water. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't have, he wasn't born a demon. He wasn't, like, bas- he wasn't, like, a human with a demon spirit, nor was he a human god reincarnated. He's really just a regular kid who can see some ghosts. And has a sword. <laughs> wasn't hit by a car and brought back to life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought, um, yeah, this was a good growth episode for Kuwabara in a lot of ways in terms of, like, how he, um, was a bit more strategic than he initially was in the beginning. And I think that's, like, a good learning curve. And I think with Kuwabara's, like, in contrast with, um, Kurama's fighting style and Yusuke Mie's, Kuwabara is definitely trial by error, even and but no dumb luck. Usually, it's just he learns as he goes, which is good. And it hurts though to watch him suffer so much. Like he gets hit a lot. I know he's a big guy, and he, in terms of visuals, is not like he has to risk a lot. In Damn! <laughs> but still, wow. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that sentence, and then you fucking went there. Uh, I love Kuwabara as a character, though. He's a ruggedly handsome boy. I love Kuwabara, just his face is jacked. (laughs) Just like the rest of his body, am I right, ladies and gentlemen? I still love him, no worries. Sorry for the shade. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, the breakdown of the episode. Um, Kuwabara uses the very last of his powers and his attacks and Kurama notices that Byako was actually his body was struggling to keep all that extra energy inside in hopes that Kuwabara does Kuwabara's notice that um Hiei in the English version says maybe if it was you he um fighting um he'll but he'll never figure that out so a lot more insulting than Japanese line. What do you, do you I think remember? in the Japanese one he might have just said he might have just reiterated what Kurama said, like almost like he can't keep it all in or something like that. Yeah. No, he he said he basically just said that like oh unless he's expanding, but it, like he looked like he's getting lighter or something. Oh yeah, yeah. They, some of that talk about non-uniform like, stretching mm-hmm. effectively. Like before he got taller and fatter, now he's just getting fatter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like oh yeah, hopefully he'll pick this up and boop. Yeah, so as like the care as like everyone else is kinda like telling Kobara, come on, Kobara and Kobara's still, you know, stabbing his spirit sword and like, you know, um Byakush is absorbing all that energy until Kobara's spirit sword completely disappears and he kicks Kobara down and around and is about to stomp on him and everything. Um now Kobara notices that expansion of Biako 
and dumps all the last of his energy into the demon and everyone else thinks like what the hell <laughs> you like you didn't notice now <laughs> um but Bianco he's like laughing he's like <laughs> and all of a sudden he's like I don't feel so good <laughs> I don't feel so good Mr. Stark <laughs> god damn it Mr. Suzaku Mr. Suzaku <laughs> to be honest I don't if, feel so good <laughs> to be honest if if all the characters in, in uh, Avengers explode instead of like disintegrating that would have been way fucking cooler <laughs> oh my god it's like, it's like I don't feel like Mr. Stark just blows the fuck up Tony's like whoa whoa <laughs> and we just blows up Man, that would make an interesting movie. Instead, we got a piece of garbage. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so in the U.S. version, uh, Kuwabara, like, mentions his sister, and this is the first time that he mentions his sister in the entire show, uh, quote-unquote. She says, don't eat too much in one sitting, uh, and Yusuke's like, wait, you have a sister? Like, this is the first time, so they've been, like, childhood one-way rivals, and, like, he had no idea about Kuwabara's family structure or anything. Was that in the dub? Or... I don't remember that in the... That's in the U.S. version. Okay, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I don't remember that at all in the sub yeah, version. Yeah, I wrote something to the effect of, like, yeah, in the U.S. version, this is the first time he mentions his sister, who I don't think they reveal mm-hmm. until, like, early 20s in the Japanese version. Yeah. But she does exist, right? She yeah, she exists, and you I actually gotcha. see her, as I... opposed to Kuwabara's dad, who's manga only. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say that that'd be pretty funny if it turned out, like, they, like... Revealed that one language and the other one that it didn't, so... It's like, well, that person exists in one language. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Biako explodes, sort of. The way that it's shot makes it look like he exploded, but it's more like he completely discharged, and then his body fell off the, the like, hundreds of feet. But the explosion was so big that it's not very clear unless you're fucking frame-by-framing it and know what happened in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Korobara faints from exhaustion and using the last of his energy... And but the thing is, in the US version, they mentioned that his energy is already coming back automatically after he passes out, but there's no such line in the Japanese version. I have a feeling they mentioned that in the English version just to reiterate just how powerful his spiritual energy is. Or, or like, my theory is that, like, it might be because he ha- he fights again right after this. So I'm just kind of like, in the Japanese version, it doesn't make any sense because he, like, literally just tired himself near to death. Mm-hmm. While in the U.S. version, they're just like, yeah, it all flew back into you. You're good. <laughs> uh, I think in the English version, isn't there something where Kovar is like, oh, I need to breathe in as much as possible. Yeah, I think he <laughs> says, I need to breathe in his fumes. Which is why I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dude, this show's got some weird fetishes. I swear to God. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna snort my foes. Oh yeah. No, but he does say something like that in the Japanese one too. Oh. I mean, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? I need to get his energy to recover a little bit of, of Reiki. I'm micro-dosing tigers. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Botan calls in, you know, daily or minute, uh, every hour reminder <laughs> that there's a fucking deadline. Yo, I'm uh, beating the shit out of these zombies. Can I get some help? Or I, can you guys hurry up? I think she explicitly says, like, I hope you've defeated at least three of them. And they're just like, <laughs> uh, what? We've defeated, like, two. Uh, so she says things are getting really bad in the human world uh, and that people keep on getting possessed. And, like, in the middle of this, I think she gets attacked by one of them, and she does some badass shit in her badass outfit. She fucking maces this dude and then does a spinning back roundhouse kick on the possessed maced dude. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, can people... I'm guessing people can't see their blue skin. Because I was like... I imagine if all these zombies were walking around, people would, like, notice it. it. Yeah, I think people can't notice the blue skin. And also, like, if you were just walking by and saw this happen, you'd be like, 
oh man, I guess some motorcycle gang woman decided to fucking beat this dude down in an alley. I just assumed they were filming the new season of Walking Dead. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, the the gang moves on to challenge the next Saint Beast, uh, but they hear another roar, and it turns out Biako's still alive, my dudes. Haha, <laughs> I'm not dead after all. Yeah. So the bridge begins to collapse, and they do an escape sequence. Uh, you know, Hiei just, like, using his agility to get through it, and the others having to run upstairs and stuff. Uh, so they go into this lair, uh, which is very warm. They're like, why is it so fucking hot up here? Turns out, uh, it's a big cave that is, like, a sea of lava, or... Uh, so it's lava in the U.S. version, and in the Japanese version, it's boiling sulfuric acid. Ooh. Yeah, both of those are not good things to be hanging out around, but they effectively have, a uh, Mario-style platforms that look like mushrooms uh to stand on while having this big fight ready go yusuke is about to challenge briako but kuwabara steps on front is like no this is my fight and the u.s says it's because he's got to follow his code of honor and the japanese version use a baseball analogy why would you send a relief pitcher when the stars are already on the field? Yeah, it's when I saw that, I was like, man, you gotta be fucking kidding me. But yeah, it's great. Cultural differences, y'all. Uh, so yeah, Kubara versus Biako. Round two, fight! Kubara takes out his good old spirit sword while Biako has a new attack, which is basically spitting out huge balls of energy. Yeah, he's gotta watch out for those balls. It, it looks pretty weird because he first starts out by doing the universal hand sign for choking. He puts his hands on his neck and then just goes, <laughs> starts doing death metal vocals and then shoots energy out of his mouth. It's, it's, I guess it's really metal. Well, I think this is fun because this meat really kind of shows that Miyako's just a big old cat. And he's just oh, shooting a hairball! I didn't even think about that. He's just spitting out no. hair, like oh. he's just literally spitting out deadly hairballs at Kuwabara. <laughs> it's amazing. But uh, Kurama, as this is flying towards Kuwabara, does some deduction and basically tells Kuwabara, "Get the fuck out of the way." Um, Kuwabara dodges right as it impacts a pillar and immediately like disintegrates it. Like nothing's left. You know, I was hoping he would hit it back with his reiki because he made that. Made that reference to the baseball pitcher. That'd be cool if we were like, oh, baseball, and he just hits the thing back at him. So he did that against Shorin, and I think the idea was he was going to do it again until Kurama's like, wait, no, there's something really wrong about this attack. Do not touch that. Yeah, and they kind of explain why. So Vyako's attack is called the Howling Tiger Shockwave. He has heard about this technique before and describes it as an oscillating sound wave that rip apart molecular bonds, mm. which... Is that the, the... the Japanese? It's like Maiko sh- Shokai Ha, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what the uh, Howling Tiger Shockwave is. And gotcha. it, in the US version, they kind of say where even if Kubara was able to knock it out with his spirit sword, that would actually affect his own spirit. I, oh, yeah, I think they yeah. said that the, the chain reaction would fly through the sword and just rip him apart. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that wasn't a good idea then. It's an unblockable. So Kuvara, since he can't knock him out, he just has to avoid them. Um, so he basically keeps on jumping from stone to stone until avoiding the hairballs. <laughs> He's got to watch out for his balls. He doesn't want to touch those. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, yes, this does happen. Um, 
and, you know, Kobar's dodging for a while until, you know, he says something to Biako. I forget if it's like, yeah, I've been dodging it. We're, it's whatever. And then Biako's like, oh, you fool. I actually trapped you. And then, like, it sort of zooms out and you see that the field has been reduced in such a way that there's no way for Kobar to get out. It's a very JoJo's Bizarre Adventure-ass move. Um, but it puts him in a do-or-die scenario where he basically has to rush headlong at this dude who has energy attacks that can disintegrate someone on being touched. So Yusuke pleads to Kuobar to just, like, give up and retreat since Kuobar's sword um, can't, can't, won't be able to reach Biako um, and does, has no effect on Biako, Biako's balls. <laughs> Kuobar doesn't care and keeps on fighting. He decides to take a leap of faith towards Biako and almost falls into the lava. But then he he makes his spirit sword get long and uses it as a pole, basically, to vault himself towards Biako and lands a sucker punch him right in the kisser. Y'all can't see this, but in our episode notes, get long is caps locked every time it is typed. So we're just reading. It's like, ah, oh, spirit sword, get long. And it's, it's a masterpiece. Uh, but yeah, he uses the momentum, does that punch, and uh, Biako falls into the lava, and Kubar is about to do that too until he's caught because his chest binding, uh, I forget what the part of, like, it's traditional, like, Japanese clothing, uh, it's more like torso binding than chest binding, gets caught up in the rock and holds him up. You know, I was always wondering, I don't know if I noticed this, but when did he lose his shirt? Was it during that battle? Was it before that? I think it was during this battle. Because okay. he was this battle. Yeah. Okay, because I, 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 I could have remembered he had a shirt then, while well, suddenly he didn't have a shirt. Like, what happened? I think he got really hot. <laughs> I don't blame him. I mean, well, he yeah, he's is. in a room full of lava. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to notice as we get to the Dark Tournament that the people mysteriously losing their shirt and you're not sure when they did hey. will become like par for the course. <laughs> it like happens all the fucking time. And I wrote my notes, killed for sure this time because he fell in lava. <laughs> But let's let's hope the next episode he actually is killed for sure. Yeah, but, uh, you know, after the fight, everyone's kind of, like, on top of the pillar, just joking with Kubar, who's still hanging, like, Oh, ha, 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 you said if we helped you, you'd kill us, winky face. And they, they pretend to abandon him, and he's like, Guys! Guys, I didn't mean it! <laughs> this is different! Uh, and, you know, the gang moves on to take on the remaining Saint Beasts. Ow! What an episode! Yeah, it was definitely intense, like... I think it's cool that um, with Kuwabara's battles, like, you see a lot of the struggle and everything, and he's, like, surprisingly a quick learner for someone who just kind of, like, charges in all the time, and I think a little bit different from, like, Yusuke, who definitely is more like, okay, these are my chances, I'm just gonna take it, so I think that's cool with Kuwabara, um, Yeah. We, uh, we'll probably discuss this more next week, but an interesting phenomena with the Four Saint Beasts is that each of the characters fight someone who in many ways, spiritually, tactically, uh, emotionally, temperament-wise, are sort of their foil. Like, mm -hmm. they, they are them except evil. Mm -hmm. um, and so in this case, both of these dudes are just, like, real good at taking punishment, and, like, they're both, like, resilient guys, and, like, sort of, like, they're a goddamn... They're like a goddamn monster, you know? Like, mm -hmm. Kubara, for a human, is this fucking tough-as-nails dude. And Byako, for a demon, is a tough-as-nails dude. And so it's just nice seeing these, like, meatheads just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, on to the next episode. So, episode 18. Seiru the Blue Dragon 
or in the Japanese version, he comes forward to battle a slashing sword. So the air date in the U.S. or in Japan was February 13, 1993. In the U.S. it was June 29, 2002. Synopsis. No, that's weird. Whispers. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so the synopsis of it is, as the four travel deeper within the castle, Siryu, the third saint beast, appears. When Byako weakly arrives and asks for Siryu's help in fighting against the quartet, Siryu freezes and shatters him to death after declaring him a failure and a disgrace to the four saint beasts. Hiei chooses to battle him afterward. Although Siryu seems to have the advantage, Hiei reveals that he's been, nearly been toying with him and easily reverses all his ice attacks. As Siryu attempts to respond, Hiei cuts him down with his sword. Meanwhile, the leader of the Saint Beast learns about Yusuke's relationship with Keiko and decides to target her with a Makai-infested civilians in an attempt to weaken Yusuke's determination to stop him from carrying out his plan. Very intense episode, but a lot quicker in comparison to the battle that lasted two episodes with Kulvara. A lot happens in this episode. Yeah. Like, a lot. A lot to unpack. There's, <laughs> there's A, B, and C plots. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think out of all the... Mo- this one was kind of weak sauce for the monster battle, at least. Oh, yeah. I, I disagree. Like, because as we were talking about, uh, and we spoke a little bit about this before the podcast, but each of these fights is sort of a mirror match between a character and, like, their evil version. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really like this one because it's sort of... I mean, it might be nice in retrospect because we know more about Hiei, but basically it shows, like, dude's, like, kind of an assassin. He's less about being tough and more just like, hey, I will eliminate you in the most brutal way possible instantly, but if I don't do that, it's not going to go well for me. And that also doubles for Seryu. Yeah. Um, so the episode starts out with Koema saying, I don't know anything about the last two Saint Beasts, and George comes in finding a record, and as Koema's reading it, he realizes it's four Saint Beats. It's so a it's recipe, a, y'all. A, <laughs> I thought that was really cute. And in the English version, um, the punishment for George is 100 spankings. <laughs> Very appropriate. Nothing worse than spankings for a toddler. Um, yeah, so back going back to the gang, they head into a room that has 15 doors. Um, the actual maze of the maze castle. Um, no one makes, has made it through, apparently. There's, like, montages of people in the past getting burned, sorted. <laughs> sorted, sorted is something from Team Girl Squad that I just wanted to repeat. Sorted. <laughs> sorted. In the Japanese version, Kuwabara says, I'll always find my way through the amusement park's big maze. Amusement parks are really popular. Well, mazes in amusement parks are really popular. It's it's weird. Like, oh, mazes yeah. are just a big deal in Japan. Like, similar to how we were like, oh, yeah, they have this bizarre affinity for rock, paper, scissors. It's mm-hmm. also like, yeah, people like mazes there more than they do in the West for are whatever reason. Are we talking reason. about, like, cornfield mazes? Or are we talking about, like, the mirror mazes? Like, the mirror houses? So it's more like mirror mazes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, everyone in the U.S. likes those, too. Every so, fair I go to has them. They do, but in Japan, like, they're just in parks, too. Oh, I see. It's just, like... It's just, like, everywhere. Yeah, it's just, like, okay, I guess this is a thing we're doing. I mean, they are pretty fun. 
And no, I mean, I, I like them too, but, like, if you go back and play some video games from, like, the early 90s, like, Ganbare Goemon and stuff, like, there are parts where it's just like, hey, you're in the park, here's a maze for you to just hang out in, and, like, just, oh, in some of the first Shin Megami Tenseis, there's also some of those as well. Yeah, video games and real-life mazes are two different things I like. Yes, they're both, they're real both life, good. No, real-life mazes are good, I hate video game mazes. Video oh. game mazes suck, I got stuck in one in Pokemon Red and I never got out of it. Wait, what? Is it Co? Co sucks. Or, or was it Rock Tunnel? I think it was Rock Tunnel. It was the one where everything was pitch black. That's Rock Tunnel, And you yeah. just keep on running into, like, psychic Pokemons that kill off all your Pokemons, and you're just stuck in the darkness alone with I think dead Pokemon. Use, aren't you supposed to use Flash You're supposed one? to use Flash, but that's kind of like the make or break part of that game where it's just like, hey, are you going to enjoy, like... JRPGs? Well, you'll find out once you get to the rock tunnel. Yeah, new Pokemons are way too forgiving, though. I I don't know. Let's not go into that subject, because that's, like, a long discussion. But, yeah, you get the idea. So, uh, you know, he says, like, yeah, I always get my way through the maze. And this is kind of a callback also to his trip at uh, through the forest in Genkai's mm-hmm. tournament, because he was also able to just figure his way through there really fast, because, you know, spirit sense, he can kind of detect how to get through. He uses his sense uh, and says, wow, there's a huge presence behind that door, points at it, they open it, and it's a tiny little rat, and <laughs> Kuwabara freaks the fuck out. <laughs> Who would have thought a tiny little mouse would be the thing that scared him? <laughs> so going back to the Saint Beast, Suzaku comments in the Japanese version that this is the shortest route with no traps. Um, Siryu comments that we b- both know that Genbu and Biako have become soft in these years, of con- t- containment. Um, so back to Earth, it's there's a scene where this do it shows one of the people being possessed by the insects. Um, there's a voiceover saying that in in due time all of Tokyo will be destroyed. Ooh. And the U.S. version it just says the whole city, um, probably because because he never really explicitly said that it's Tokyo. Yeah, they don't, they don't really do that until season three, where then it's like, well, this is inescapable, it's fucking Tokyo. Yeah. Um, the gang arrives at a door that has blue dragons, so we know that it's going to be the next Saint Beast, Siryu. Siryu speaks from the inside, from inside of this fog that appears. He then assembles himself as a mist, which is his key, basically. Yeah, he just basically brings all his key together and is just like, here I am, y'all. Yeah. So, he's like a thin guy, but also super huge. Like He's, he's probably like, like a, 10 feet tall, maybe? Yeah, like a thin giant. Yeah. So, um, it's just dressed in like some kind of... How do you pronounce like it? Like Qing Dynasty Qing type Dynasty? stuff. Like, he... He looks mainland Asian rather than Japanese. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not his own personal appearance, but the outfit he's wearing mm-hmm. looks straight up like Chinese. Mm-hmm. So as they get confronted by the next Saint Beast, they all of a sudden hear a noise, and it's the previous Saint Beast they just battled, Biako. He's still alive, y'all. Yeah, I don't know. We Dude, still... this guy cannot die. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, he walks in, I was like, are you kidding me? He literally yeah. just fell in the acid lava. How's this guy alive? <laughs> yeah, he looks fucked up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's like please help me give me powers or give me more energy he's like <laughs> he's like he's begging Siryu to help him yeah. basically yeah but Siryu is like nope 
disgusting. How dare you? You dishonored us. You dishonored our cows, our families. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And then he does a total uh, Fist of the North Star on him with, with ice. Oh yeah, this is a Fist of the North Star-ass move. He uses the attack Ice Dragon, that's the name of the English version, or Demon Fighting Frozen Spirit Fist in the Japanese version. Freezes Biako solid, uh, and the attack is described as using multiple punches at near absolute zero temperatures. He then, after he's frozen, just fucking kicks Biako's head off. Dang. Mortal Kombat ass fatality right here. I was thinking more of Dio. Oh yeah, shit. So in the first season, yeah, in the first season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, he blocks some guy's improbably weird attack, freezes the guy, and then like splits him in half. That was probably one of my favorite moves from JoJo. It's it's metal as fuck. Um, but the still living head of Biako asks. Why? He then coughs up some blood, uh, and then fucking Seriu spits on him, and uh, Biako cries one tear. Damn, that was sad. Sad. I was hoping he would become good, but he just dies. No, he's fucking dead. You see his spine and, like, his neck, too. It's, like, graphic as hell. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. I wonder, was this showing already on adults? Um, Toonami by this time? I think yeah. it was still Adult Swim, and then when okay. they replayed it, it was on Toonami, but I think they might have edited out the blood, but probably it was still just fucking decapitated, where it's like, <laughs> that cool, man, this is still dark as hell. To be fair, it's all blue, maybe due to budget restraints, so it's not like a little white spine showing, so I yeah. guess like... Well, to be fair, though, he like got frozen, so... That's true. Yeah. I don't his know. Head pro- his head is probably like... I, I don't know what... Uh, you guys ever see like those the frozen, like like in the movies with like, the frozen person? Yeah. Like that with the skin's all like pure blue. white and bluish. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I was about to say you always see a dead body, but I was like I don't think they people do. <laughs> <laughs> so Karama in the U.S. version says that this race of beasts have no loyalty, and I guess this prompts he he like. Steps forward as Yusuke wants to battle him, and he's like, "No." They're all raring to fight this dude because, like, fuck this guy. Yeah, it's he's like, like, "I need to fight them because loyalty and chaotic honor, I guess, is deal." So he does something that's like, I think, a pretty like meaningful gesture. He throws his cloak onto Biako's face, maybe as a sign of uh, not remorse or respect, respect for the dead. Yeah. 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 So I, and then Siryu actually like scoffs at it, thus furthering Hie to fight him. It, was it was it Hie or Kuwabara that said, "Yeah, he might have been evil and tried to kill me, but I actually kind of feel bad for him." Or something. Yeah, like I think I think uh, Kuwabara Kuwabara, said that. Yeah. Uh, in the Japanese version, Kurama now remarks something to the effect of like Hie is changing. While in the U.S. version, he says Hie lives by an incredibly complex code. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's different. Um. I think in the U.S. version, they want to be like, you're just learning more about the dude. While in the Japanese mm-hmm. version, they're like, no, he is changing as to who he is. Yeah, oh, no, it wasn't, he wasn't that, he said that, for Kuwabara, he was, he was like, man, I, man, even though he beat me, I want to beat that guy in his honor. That's what it was, in the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So, Hiei charges the fuck up, and Sirio char- charges his ice chi, um, so hard that it shatters the walls behind him. Ooh. Um. He dodges mostly attacks until his leg gets caught. Um, he lands on his hand and avoids um, getting his leg shattered. Um, 
The struggle of sadness song starts as Kie is pinned down <laughs> of by course his it starts frozen playing. leg. What will happen to Hie? Who knows? So Siri charges forward with his final attack, and Hie jumps straight into it by pulling himself with his sword and gets two more limbs encased in ice. Wow. So, the samurai clash. <laughs> you, you all know what we're talking about, and if you don't, watch like an old samurai movie. It's two dudes moving past each other and then standing still and waiting for shit to happen. There's, that's like my favorite part of anything. Especially when they close the sword and they just like all fall down or explode. Speaking of which. <laughs> so Hie in the Japanese version says, The level of ice you control isn't it nearly enough to hurt me, which is massive foreshadowing. You'll see later. Um, Siryu begins to bleed from his forehead and explodes. Dang. And Kurama is now complete. Kubara. Uh, Kubara is now completely smitten with Hiei's performance. Uh, an interesting thing, right after this, like, Hiei just, like, shakes his hand and his foot and his other hand, and the fucking ice just comes off as if he's like, that, that wasn't shit, what are you doing? Um, and that's also massive foreshadowing that, like, Hie just has this bizarre resistance to ice. Weird. It's like, get this weak shit out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the rest of the game is, like, counted the amount of times that he cut Siryu. Yusuke counted seven or eight, 15 in the Japanese version, and Kurama only saw flashes of light. And Kulbar didn't even notice anything. He's like, what? Yeah, he's like, I, I didn't even see flashes, man. So, very interesting that Yusuke was able to even count them. Maybe because his training with Genkai. It's I so think. intense. Yeah. Turns out, he cut Siryu a total of 16 times. Woohoo! New record. New record. Um, he gets takes back his cloak and Biako's head evaporates or incinerates it's really ambiguous yeah um and then we go back to the leader of the four saint beasts the only one left suzaku and he's crushing the fushiki yeah that's the ball of that's the crystal ball he's holding which is based in uh in labyrinth the character who's his equivalent has this crystal ball he watches events through and then, like, does little juggling tricks with. Is that David Bowie? Yeah, that's David Bowie. And that's that thing's called the Fushigi. So, I'm not sure if this is Suzaku's familiar or just, like, a some kind of, like, um... I'm unclear on this because it seems like they're fucking... Yeah, so... I wrote down bird waifu. Yeah, so it's literally a green bird with pretty eyes as I like to I, describe yeah, it. Yes. You My... can tell she's feminine because she has eyelashes and um, eyeshadow. And so very flirty in terms of dialogue. Like too flirty maybe? Yeah. It's really weird. So she's a spy regarding Yusuke um, and the human world and she points out that though Yusuke is kind of a lone wolf, he does have one particular person that he cares about, his weakness which is Keiko Yukimura. Um Finally, Suzaku kind of shows up and we see what he looks like. Um, He'd been silhouetted up to this point. Yeah. Supr- not what I suspected, to be honest. Oh, like when you were a kid, what did you think he would look like? I More ugly he, or something? Or? Yeah, like kind of like older. Not like, because when you finally see him, it's kind of like this youthful looking guy. You know how um, Rando, even though... 
in his true demon form, he didn't look like old or anything, but he looked like a scary kind of look. Yeah. In here, it looks like a typical anime pretty boy. Yeah, he looks like um, a male version of uh, what? It, it's like a Hindu or Buddhist spirit called an apsara. Mm. Let me let me look that up. But like, they're very pretty and graceful. Yeah. Well, it's like Rando was more like scary '80s glam rock, yeah. while <laughs> while Suzaku was more like pretty boys, the cure kind of <laughs> vibe going on. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, he does look like a male version of, a, like, an Apsara. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's cool. Let's see. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, basically, um, it starts playing in the, in the overvoice, uh, preluding to Keiko's suffering, um, in the Japanese... Oh, actually, sorry, oh. just to clarify... Uh, Suzaku says, yeah, I'll play this song on the Makai whistle. Oh, okay. And in the U.S. version, he names it a prelude to Keiko's suffering in A minor. Oh, in the Japanese okay. version, it's an overture to destruction. <laughs> These are also alternate I'm Castlevania sure game a, titles. I'm pretty sure that's a Megadeth song. Overture to destruction. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back. Um, the scene cuts to back to the human world, and Botan is, like, about to die. All of a sudden, the Makai insects and the people infected by them start heading elsewhere. You can guess where, because all of a sudden, it shows the school. Um, Iwamoto, the douchey glasses teacher, shows up, and he's not looking good. And he starts talking to Kiko and telling her to stay away from Yurameshi. And he then comes back, and then he looks really bad, and is possessed by the Makai insect. And he's, like, getting really up close to her, and she's definitely uncomfortable. And it's, like, super uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. The Japanese version, I think she says, oh, go home and study. He comes back, I told you to go home and study. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Listen to your teacher, damn it. And she's a good student, so she's definitely like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then he punches a goddamn window. Yeah, he punches through a window and, like, crushes his own hand so hard that he starts bleeding. You know, teacher shit. She's just like, what What the the hell's going on? And suddenly all these zombies show up at the school trying to kill her. Just a normal day for Catholic high school. (laughs) In the U.S. version, Keiko um, says that she's heard about these fanatics in the newspaper. And so it's interesting to see what they interpret how long this whole, like, infestation has been happening. Yeah. So, um, did they say anything in the Japanese version? Uh, I don't remember what they said in the Japanese version. They didn't make notice of it. They just said, oh, these guys, like, yeah. from oh, yeah, my knowledge. Dudes. Yeah, it was like, these guys get away or something like that. Yeah. And I don't really think they, like, they haven't, that's what I think was weird about it. They didn't bring any attention to it. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, there's these demon zombies walking around, but hey, let's keep doing school. Well, I think in the U.S. version, like, maybe they're, like, trying to be like, this has been happening for, like, a couple days now, while in the Japanese version, they're like, this is all the same day. Oh. And so, like, nothing would have been reported on the news, or if it was, it'd be like, there was a crime, and then, like, as they're yeah. saying, there was a crime, they'd be being stabbed. <laughs> it's like, these people are blue. Stay away from these blue people. Inside and out. <laughs> But I just don't think people see them as being blue. I think they just see them as normal people yes. as being evil. Yeah, I think they probably, if anything, they just look like, oh, wow, they probably took something really weird and now they're <laughs> acting all crazy. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The U.S. version also specifically lampshades it by having Kurama even ask, like, how long have we been here? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. 
thing. Maybe it's like bath salts. Yeah, they probably are like, oh, fuck, these dudes are on drugs. Yeah, I mean, uh, if it could happen in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Florida, the demon world of the U.S. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, so it then goes into um, another cliffhanger. So will the gang beat Suzaku in time? Will Keiko be okay? Where the heck is Botan now? Find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. If Suzaku's <laughs> gonna be Yusuke's mirror, like what's what's gonna define that man? Was he also hit by a car? Is that his power? Was he hit by a car? Maybe his power is mirrors. For the next episode of the Yu Yu Hakusho. So that about does it for uh, today's episode of our show. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the Yu Hakusho. Show. Your support again means all three worlds to us. My roommate's coming through that door. Let's let let's have him do the outro. Yeah, <laughs> actually, you know what? Let's do it. Hey, Tony, do you want to read this outro for us real quick? Outro? Yeah, we're ending the episode right now. Yeah. When we walked in, we were starting it. He, he's coming from Tucson, y'all. Hours away. What's the outro? We'll start from here. Just go grab just, the mic and just put it in your face. Well, no, just come over here. We're doing this. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, whatever. All right. We'll start from here. <clears throat> Thank you so much for listening to the Yu Yu Hockey Show. Your support means all three worlds, human, demon, and spirit, to us. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook at the Yu Yu Hockey Show and our Twitter at the Yu Yu Hockey Show. Tune for the next episode where we'll discuss episodes 19 to 21. We'll be covering Studio Pirat and the connection between the Saint Beast and the East Asian culture. It's uh, it's Studio Perot, but don't worry. Studio Perot. Like, I totally forgot. I no, do it. not worry. I mean, how could you have known? That? <laughs> I would never have known that. But yeah, join us next time. You better get ready. Bye. Or, Thank you. or as they say in the Spanish version, what is it? Mi existencia no seré en vano.
show that's going to blow your mind and your wallets because you'll be buying so much Inuyasha stuff it, you won't stop buying Inuyasha stuff you'll have plates you'll have toys you'll have figurines posters wait what and even oh fuck mangas Anyways, the last on our last episode, we discussed Yusuke's second mission as a spirit detective to stop the notorious wait, demon wait, wait, Rondo. Really, really quick, really quick. Was the, the Inuyasha so, thing in, a joke? Inheriting the, ten, the techniques of the powerful psychic Genkai and him becoming Genkai's apparent, apparent ten, and Tadipa. The artifact featuring the first one... And here's what you said. Wait, was the Inuyasha thing like a joke or where are we going with this? I'm so confused right now. Did I say, I'm pretty sure I said Yu Yu Hakusho plates in manga. You definitely you said, said Inuyasha. Inuyasha. <laughs> That's oh. why we were all like staring at each other. We're like, is this part of a long form joke we're unaware of? <laughs> oh wow, I didn't even realize it anymore. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, we were just all like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> why did I say Inuyasha? What the fuck? I think I brought up Inuyasha right I before hate you that. so much, Joe. I'm blaming this all on you. Hey, I just want to put this on pause real quick. I, I know it's really unprofessional um, me to do, but I was just like sitting here. I got a message. It's from my friend's dad, and he sent you a video on white privilege. And, like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure if that's, like, he's calling me out, or he just showing, because he, he, it's my friend's, oh, shit, no, I don't want to watch it. Uh, I'm leaving this in. Uh. Like, I, I'm, no, I'm just serious, though. It's really weird, because it's, like, he's, like, sending, like, videos of dinosaurs and stuff. Also, he's sending a video on white privilege. All of this yeah. is it's like, weird. Um, like, I mean, I understand it. I mean, I know that, but it just seems 
kind of passive aggressive. That's yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, I'm, Sorry, I'm not sure just, if I'm editing this out or keeping that, it in. We'll just, find out. He's talking it. about your survival rate in Jurassic World. I got you. It was oh, weird. Oh shit. Oh, it, it was okay. weird. I was, I was like, sorry, that just threw me a curveball. I, I just, yeah, weird. Anyways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn my phone off so that doesn't. <laughs> that sounds good. I'm sorry. 